Welcome to the BU Podcast, where lighthearted banter meets deep topics of the heart and soul. We're your hosts, Angela Lucia Lewis and Chris Sirock. Chris! Angela! Hey, how are you? What are we talking about today? Well, my morning fruit breakfast that is so typical here in Indonesia was just delivered. And I'm going to put it right where the animals can't get to it. And so that's led me to an interesting insight, (laughs) something we can talk about. Yes. Living in Indonesia becomes much more apparent that in the West, we're really cut off from life. There's so much life, all these little critters and nature that you kind of have to live with. And then the have to live with turns into acceptance and wanting to live with. And there's a sense of really being surrounded and immersed in life, life forms. And we don't really experience that in the West. It's very sterile. Everything's, you know, pesticides and super kind of separate. Built to make us comfortable and super safe, right? It's like everything is built around our comfort. How can we be the most comfortable, how can everything be as easy and convenient and efficient as possible, right? So then you have all these structures and all of these, everything that's just built around us, that's protecting us, that's shielding us. Whereas, yeah, in places like where you are, Indonesia, or where I am in El Salvador, it is very raw. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it is just the wild nature. There's not too much out here that's protecting me or isolating me from the elements, from the insects, from the weather, from everything. Yeah. And I wonder what that does to the psychology when we're so protected and, you know, ultimately cut off from all of that, from feeling the elements and feeling the nature and seeing critters walk around. And I think subconsciously we start to see ourselves as separate from life. There's us and we're doing our thing. And then there's nature. We go out into nature is how we think of it. We don't experience ourselves as nature anymore. Right. I also think our tolerance levels decrease. We become intolerant of things that we are not used to or that seem strange, unfamiliar, unsafe, dirty, uncomfortable, right? Totally. Yeah. 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 We, we start to almost become resistant to any other form of life. We become very consumed by ourselves and our own needs and our own comfort and don't really experience ourselves in the flow of this greater current of life happening of life being created every moment is life you know creating itself there's an unfolding and we don't live in that we barely even tap into it we tap into it maybe when we're listening to music or cooking or sports and exercise that's that's when we kind of tap into that flow of of just being present with what is so ultimately that's why everything becomes so challenging and we create a lot of misery is we've removed ourselves from life unfolding right it's like we've um gosh, we've become so addicted to controlling our lives and our environment and our days that we've created safety and comfort and that prevents us from flowing 
And so that when we are flowing and something new comes along, yeah, it's almost like our body, our mind is on high alert. Like, oh, new stimulant has entered the environment. (laughs) (laughs) Not to accept the flow of what's happening right now, you know, to protect ourselves. Yeah. And the way you describe it is really accurate in that everything that enters our field of experience, we judge it. We put a value judgment on it. Is this for me? Is this against me? Do I like this? Do I not like this? And a lot of that is just mental, right? That's what creates the noise is this constant judging of what's happening around us. Right. As information comes in or as things happen, we're really quick to use our brains to figure out what do we do with this? And maybe there's nothing to be done with it. Maybe it just is. Whatever's happening in the flow of life, can we just allow it to be? Must we make sense of it? Must we do something with it? Not always. Yeah, and I think we'd be surprised at how probably the majority of the time we don't need to make sense of it. Things come and go, they arise and pass. Our feelings, you know, feelings are nature. They're meant to arise and pass, but we hang on to them and judge them and then try to control our environment accordingly because we want more of this and less of that. And now suddenly we're not living according to life unfolding. We're not in tune with our inner blueprint. We're not hearing our inner voice, but rather we're steering mentally based on our fears. So now we're really just living by what we want to avoid, um, things that we crave. And now we're just living by what we crave. So it's a very small existence to live by the clinging and the craving and the avoidance of things. Right. Oh, wow. This really resonates. I so often, right. When people say something, I have a tendency to, well, what do they mean by that? Or if somebody does something or if they don't do something, I often think, oh, well, what does that mean, right? They didn't do this or that, but they must not care. I can be so quick to attach meaning to words or actions. And it's not necessarily the case. So how do we not attach meaning (laughs) to things that happen? As they're happening yeah. and just allow them to be. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's the difference between living from the head space, as I call it, where everything is validated against an existing set of beliefs. I call it a truth structure. Everyone has their own truth structure that they're looking to maintain and validate everything that happens. And most of the time it's to validate what you already believe in and not to allow a new thought to come in mm. versus really responding from a deeper place within your body, within your intuition, within your heart, within your gut, your inner divinity, your higher self, whatever you want to call it. There's a resonance there. There's something that tells us this situation is for me, something I want to pursue, or this is a situation that does not resonate and I can let go of that and move Mm. on and follow your bliss ultimately. Follow your bliss. I love that. Yes. That's a Joseph Campbell the father of myth, because this ancient mythology talks about the hero's journey, which is one of his more famous books. And it's what we talked about earlier in terms of watching a movie unfold. We don't say stop the projector and let's just sob over something or complain about something. We know the movie's unfolding. So we should allow the movie of our own life, our own hero's journey to unfold and then respond to how things are happening. It's always about taking action. 
Um, it's never about just sitting back and just letting life happen and you feel stepped on to not do anything. No, meditation and mindfulness and being present is about having clarity. So you can then take action to deal with things that are challenging or that don't resonate and to set healthy boundaries, whatever it may be, and also to embrace the things that resonate because those things point to our inner blueprint and the person we're really wanting and meant to be and that, that helps us grow into and become closer with the blueprint as opposed to reacting to things we like and things we don't like. It's it's a mental reactivity that creates all that noise. Mm -hmm. So you're saying rather than reacting to something, we can create the time and space and the clarity to decide how to respond. Yeah, there's essentially a feeling and then there's a reaction to the feeling. And we spend most of our time in the reaction and that's ultimately what reactivity is is reacting to our feelings mm. and it took me a long time in my own evolution to understand where the feeling ended and where my reaction to the feeling started because it was one long one big blur but with meditation and other mindfulness practices it became clearer over time that oh wow the onset of a feeling and then there's my reaction to it and the reaction was the much bigger part and it kept the feeling stuck because i was now reacting to it and holding it there by resisting it or also by by clinging to it and wanting more of it but and that builds up and then you have all this weight and noise inside of us so it got finally eventually to the point where i realized oh wow the feeling arises and if i don't react to it it actually passes fairly quickly and then you can take clear action and you're not in this agitated triggered space but you're actually thinking very clear up oh, the feeling arose and it passes and this is the message it told me and this is now how i need to act and and it's really very smooth and it's how life is supposed to work okay so i want to make sure i get this clear because i'm pretty sure i heard you say it's all about how we take action because everything warrants taking action but i'm also hearing you say that we don't want to react so sometimes inaction is the action <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely for sure whatever it tells you right it could be i don't need to take action i need to step back and just step away from this and maybe it's somebody else's responsibility to take action in this case what if, what if someone doesn't know what to do or if it's someone else's responsibility well the deeper truth of the situation has to be trusted, right? It, this is not a mental judgment of like, oh no, this is not my thing. I'll just let somebody else handle it. That's kind of how the mind operates and you're just shifting responsibility to somebody else. And that's not what this is at all, but rather it's recognizing the, the inherent truth of a situation, the natural truth of it. And the message may be that you're not the right person to do something about this. The message might be, you know the right person who could really facilitate the situation and then you could go share the information, go find that person, right? Or you are the right person and you take action then and there. But whatever it is, we can't know until we've allowed ourselves to feel our feelings and allow those feelings to, to pass again so that we know we're not just reacting, trying to steer based on how it made us feel, but rather what the situation demands. Right. And I think you said something that's really important, and that's that feeling the feelings, but allowing ourselves to see the inherent truth of the situation. And so often we get caught up 
in the feelings or the stories or the narrative or the belief system. And it's so subjective that we're missing the inherent truth. Yes, that's exactly it. That reactivity to the feeling is a world of beliefs and a world of prior experiences that we kind of pull in and try to interpret what's happening or, you know, our own woundedness comes to the surface and it all distorts. This is what being in reactivity means. It distorts one's ability to see clearly what is happening right here, right now in front of us and to act to what that situation demands as opposed to pulling in this whole world of other noise and that then just clouds our ability to act clearly and that's what i call it in, in my book i call it clear action mm-hmm. yes i know what i'm feeling big feelings that i am not going to take action i'm too activated i'm too charged and i'll do what i need to do in order to feel more clear to feel more grounded those things being meditation, or like we talked about in the last episode, other forms of getting out of our head and into our body, breathwork, yoga, sound, moving, shaking, dance, writing, journaling, creating art, all of these things that can accompany meditation or be done standalone to allow the feelings to be processed, not suppressed, and to allow room for the inherent truth. And how would you say that becomes evident? Because I'm sure for some people, (laughs) they think their feelings are the truth. (laughs) What I'm feeling (laughs) is the truth. (laughs) This is my reality. Yeah, that's a great question because truth is a tricky word. I tend not to use it because of exactly what you described. I think the best way to really know, it feels different. You know, this inner truth, is it's different from a truth that is based on trying to navigate around one's own woundedness and stuck feelings and all that. So it does feel different, but unless you start doing the work, you won't really know what it is. But there comes a point where... As you were just describing, if you don't feel grounded, you take a time out and ground yourself before taking action. Well, that period of grounding oneself starts to shrink the more present practice, presence practice we are present in our presence practice. And, um, and so ultimately, the goal is to react less and less. And that period of having to step back and ground oneself, it shrinks and the more it shrinks, the more we start to flow. And because it is still a timeout, it's still kind of breaking the flow of life. And that's how we all start out. And we then start flowing more and more so that as situations happen, we allow them to happen and don't create that interruption of reactivity any longer, but rather we can take clear action sooner. And then at some point, we're just kind of one with life. It's happening. It's flowing through us. We don't inject ourselves any longer and we're just experiencing it fully. And that's really when we feel like the one with everything, the fullness of life, that we are life and it's just kind of acting through us and flowing through us. So that is the best feeling, not not to cling to something. <laughs> it really is. And I'll say it really varies too, right? I know that to really ground and have that emotional charge sort of neutralize. It can really vary on the situation, but sometimes it's only a couple hours. Sometimes it's a few days. Sometimes it's weeks or longer. You know, it really depends on what's going on. But um, to your point, 
with practice, it'll continue to shrink. Yes. And absolutely. There are some things that are really deep inside of us. It's going to take a while to really release those stuck feelings because they're so deep and really wired into us. And that's what reactivity is. It's just a nervous system that is wired and constantly inflamed because we're reacting to how we feel. And coming out of that inflammation state and you know, brain scans show this, how meditation calms the mind and those areas that used to be inflamed from this constant reactivity, they start to become blue and cool and calm on the scan. And, and then ultimately those nervous endings that used to get triggered all the time, they kind of die off. And that's when we've truly come out of reactivity. We just don't react to having certain feelings any longer. We still feel the feelings fully. It's always about letting the feelings, giving them space to be. It's never about suppressing those feelings. That's a common misunderstanding of non-reactivity. But rather, it's allowing the feelings, giving them full range to arise and then pass without ever injecting ourselves into them. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about this, about reactivity and stuck feelings. Last question for you related to your retreats. Yeah, I like ending these episodes on how a lot of this content comes up in your retreats. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you and your team provide support in these areas for stuck feelings or being really reactive? Is the container such that that this will come up for folks? And do you provide support navigating it? Yeah, absolutely. So ultimately, it's everyone has their own journey, right? It's more about empowerment, empowering the individual to work at their pace, work with their own sensations, their own feelings. No one can do that for you. And all the great meditation traditions talk about that. You have to cross the river yourself, right? No one can do that for you. No one can be you for you. But having a nurturing and supportive environment, a network and like-mindedness around you uh, goes a long way, especially in the beginning and even in the daily practice. Anyone who's done it can attest to the fact that just being on a silent call, but you're connected, but no one's talking because you're all meditating. There's a connectedness knowing that others are there that does help with continuing the practice and not falling off the wagon. So all of that is what we provide at the BU retreats. And for you to then take that back into your life, and there's a continued community after that, that you can take part of so that you do stay on track with your practice. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Oh, my pleasure. It's always such a pleasure. I'm always looking forward to our talks and these episodes. I hope they're helpful. Again, having a podcast or a program or an app, all these things are tools that help us stay on track because ultimately, once we know these things, it's still really important that we get those daily reminders. There's just a lot going on in our lives and there's a lot of distractions out there. And so having a place to go to where we get reminded, I need those reminders just like everyone else, is extremely helpful and necessary. Great. Well, remind everyone where they can get more information, Chris. <laughs> yes. So you can find me at my main website, sirak.com. That's C-I-R-A-K.com. And you can find me everywhere on social media, at Chris Sirock. Whatever the needs are, just reach out. Great. Thank you so much. Until next time. Until next time.